Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the commentary for Romeo and Juliet, the sitcom, Act 5, Independent Shakespeare. I'm your director, Landon Bell, and I am joined by... Assistant Director, Swen Halverson. And at last, Romeo and Juliet, the sitcom, has come to its conclusion. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> of course. Exciting, exciting. Oh, and we man. are, of course, recording this exactly on time. Yes. I think this is the closest we've ever cut a commentary before. So, that's what happens when there's holidays and people are crazy busy. I take the blame. <laughs> yes, I was glad the next play was uh, basically cut in half. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. But this is very nice, uh, very nice little feature we programmed into it. And we come upon the first scene, which I directed. My dreams presage some joyful news at hand. Works, works. Okay. Um. <laughs> so basically, Landon just told me to make this sound different than other places because we hadn't been to this place before. And I decided to make it like it had just rained, and it was about to start raining again, probably. It works pretty well, actually. Um, the way we've heard Verona in the past, Verona is always like... It sounds kind of like a city park everywhere you go. And Mantua sounds like a big city. So I like that contrast. So I wanted the rain to make it seem a little bit ominous, but some somewhat happy music because that's what the talk to you is telling you. Yeah, I like the music choices you chose for this. Uh, one of them was the song "Creepy Doll." Yeah, by uh, Jonathan Colton. And I, I thought it was a very nice touch, uh, so I actually borrowed it uh, for a couple of other scenes in this act. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just thought that uh, with you using it that it would uh, contrast very well, and it turned out that it did. So, yay! No matter. Get thee gone. Well, I needed something that was slightly creepy there, and that seemed to work, which, which I <laughs> remixed it a little bit just to make it work better with the theme. It's pretty applicable, uh, slightly creepy. Especially with the apothecary. Um, I think that our apothecary is uh, sufficiently strange. Which late I noted in tattered weeds Kind of reminds me of the clown in Antony and Cleopatra. Meager were his looks. Sharp misery mm. He was sufficiently strange. His needy shop, a so, uh, before I uh, forget voices here, uh, here we have Eric Valdez as Romeo, and we also had Matthew Hawking as Balthazar. Remnants of pack thread and old cakes of roses were thinly scattered to make up a show. Noting this penury to myself, and we have Romeo on his way to the apothecary. Go to the apothecary, gonna get a little poison. <laughs> 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 
This same needy man must sell it me. As I remember, this should be the house. Some listener who's in their 40s or 50s is going to know what that is, and they're going to be like, What ho? Dude. Apothecary! How do you know that? <laughs> I don't think the door knocking was in the script, but uh, I thought it worked well. It wasn't, uh, and, and I really liked the touch of that, because in the script, the uh, apothecary... Never went into her shop, and Romeo never followed her. Um, the apothecary just kind of stuck her head out, and he asked for a poison. Uh, but I actually liked the idea of her going ahead and letting him in. Such mortal drugs I have, but Mantua's law is death to any he that utters them. This is Amberly as the apothecary, by the way. Yeah. And apparently they use coins to pay for things here. Even though it's somewhat modern times. <laughs> That's kind of what I love about these Shakespeare plays. Uh, everybody uses coinage. I don't know if it says what type of money in the script, but credit cards don't make noise. And Put this in any paper money is hard to distinguish as paper money. And if you had the strength of 20 yeah. men, it would dispatch you straight. Hey, Visa, would you mind putting like a little beep in your cards or something? For us audio drama folk. <laughs> well, now they have that awful <laughs> when you're supposed to take your card out of the chip reader. But... Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Makes it seem like you did something wrong when you when the transaction completed successfully. <laughs> and scene two, which I also directed. This same should be the voice of Friar John. Welcome from so this is uh, Gregory Porter as Friar John, who, uh, this is actually his first appearance, but he is a, uh, a fellow Friar, and then of course Dave Lauren, or Dave Morgan as Friar Lawrence. And this scene, uh, which Swin mixed, uh, this scene is actually at... Uh, the Friars' Parsonage. All the previous scenes were at the church, but I liked the uh, the contrast of him being at his parsonage because it's night, and uh, obviously he would probably have been in bed. Oh, I thought it was at the same place. <laughs> Which is why it's very echoey. But, uh... It actually works, though. Like, I, c I can imagine him having, like, an echoey house. Now must I to the monument alone. He, he stays in that church all day and he has to hear that echo. He probably likes it. Who knows? Maybe it's right off in the church or something. It's a possibility. And is this scene three? It is. Yet put it out for I would not be seen. And here we have Christopher Gilstrap as Pyrrhus. 
Under yond yew trees lay thee all along, holding And he's heading on to the sepulcher so to pay no his respects to Juliet. Who he thinks is dead, but who is not dead. <laughs> into me as signal that thou hear something approach. Give me the flowers. And once again, uh, Christopher does an amazing job with this character, making him sound creepy, uh, but also Yet I will adventure. empathetic. To a degree, to a small degree. <laughs> and there we had Jason R. Wallace as the page, uh, doing a celebrity impression of uh, Nicolas Cage, which I think is pretty funny. Nicolas Cage, Page. <laughs> Only Jason would think of something like that. So, thank you, Jason, for taking on this role for us. You did a I did not shot. recognize that as Jason or what? Whistling. <laughs> whistling jauntily. Yeah, so this little whistling. this little whistling portion. This scene was supposed to be so serious. And <clears throat> he gives these takes of this Nicholas Cagey page to say whistling, whistling, um, instead of actually whistling. And so uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty good, and I had to put a little laugh in there. I was just thinking, only Jason would uh, be able to make a serious scene funny. Early in the morning, see thou deliver it to my lord and father. Give me the light. Upon my life, I charge thee. I'm kind of glad he did, though, uh, because I was worried when I scripted this act that it would actually be a little bit too serious compared to the rest of the play. And so just little moments like that help. Help give it the right tone. thou jealous dost return to pry in what I further shall intend to do, by heaven I will tear joint by joint and strew this hungry churchyard with thy wings. The time and my intents are savage wild, more fierce and more inexorable far than empty tigers or the roaring sea. I will be gone, sir, and not trouble you. So shalt thou show me friendship. And a uh, little Easter egg there, the uh, the hug effect there Live and is the same one that Swen used in uh, Antony and Cleopatra for a couple of scenes. For all this same. I'll hide me about his looks I fear and his that the one I recorded uh I think so actually I think it may be detestable maw I used just a snippet of it I didn't have to use the whole thing but um I actually have an effect that I usually use for hugs and for some reason it just didn't sound right in the outdoor scene so I I decided to go ahead and use the one that you had made and it worked well so <laughs> Uh, so that little transition there between scenes, um, I wanted that door to reverberate as, as much as possible. And trying to get that sound right was not easy because um, a lot of stone recordings that you, you will hear, they sound crackly and gravelly and not like a big giant rock. Yes. So I mixed the rock sound effect in with a earthquake sound effect to give it that rumble. 
and then uh, when it shuts closed, that's actually a metal door that I uh, mixed in with that to, to sound like the backside of a rock slamming against the wall. Oh, be gone! By heaven, I love thee better than myself. More creepy doll? More creepy doll. Yes, this is the uh, the first of three Not times that he was it. <laughs> Not an actual one, just the the Jonathan Colton one. Yeah, I thought the guitar riff matched the action very well. So that's why I went ahead and just used it. Also, the uh, the heartbeat coming up here. Um, I thought that the heartbeat portion of the song would uh, contrast Paris's death. If thou be merciful. As a matter of fact, every death in this uh, act got a little heartbeat effect as they were dying. So that was that was a, a nice little touch I added. Paris does a good death scene as well. Indeed. I mean, I, I'm not sad to see Paris die, but at the same time, you know, you never want to see a character leave. He did. He did a good job acting out, having his throat cut. I guess. Yeah, or having his chest punctured. <laughs> One of the two. Or am I mad hearing him talk of Juliet? To think it was so. Oh, oh, give me thy hand. One rip with me in sour misfortune's book. I'll bury thee in a triumphant grave. Just just a moment ago, uh, when Romeo pulled Paris over to where Juliet was at, um, I originally wanted to have him carry Paris, carry his body, but <clears throat> Eric gave me these uh, these little snippets of Walla. During the fight, where he sounded like he was uh, about to fall down, and so I was thinking that would work really well if I had him drag the body instead. Like maybe the body's too heavy for him. So uh, I went ahead and gave those grunts while he's trying to move Paris, and I think it worked a little bit better than having him carry the body. Which their keepers call a lightning before death. How may I call this a lightning? Love, my wife, death that hath sucked the. This is so sad, right here. I've had no power yet upon Eric's performance of it. Thou art not God. Beauty thence and yet this crimson in thy lips. 
and in my cheeks, and death's pale flag is not advancing. If he'd only come just a little bit later. <laughs> this is true. Thou there in thy bloody sheet? That's the thing about narrative coincidence. What can I do to thee than with that hand? Is that cut thy youth in twain, you can just write however you want and then have something else happen. Shakespeare does that quite a bit in this play. Which I think adds to why the, why the play I has a very so uh, a cl very cliched reputation. Shall but you know, some things are just classic. You understand how this play is going to go and so you kind of roll with it. But yeah, it, it, it is conve very convenient that he would arrive, die, and then like five or ten minutes later, at maximum, she wakes up. I set up my everlasting rest and shake the yoke of inauspicious stars from this world weary flesh. And what music is in the background here? Uh, this is a talk with George, ah. also by Jonathan Colton. I used that in scene one as well. Oh, nice. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> I guess if I'd paid attention, I would have noticed it. So see, this is basically the, the act with repeating songs that repeat over and over and over again. Uh, repeating movements to go along with the characters. True. Thou desperate pilot. Totally plain. Now, at once, run on the I actually... <laughs> <laughs> I actually try my best to mix these scenes in the tomb without music. And there were several places where I just definitely needed some. And so I went ahead and snuck some in. Light drugs. Poor Romeo. He's dead. Saint Francis be my speed. Ugh. How oft tonight have my old feet stumbled at graves? Who's there? Here's one, a friend, and one that knows you well. List be upon you. Tell me. It's a friend, it's a friend, it's a friend. Torches yon that vainly lends his light to grubs <laughs> and eyeless skulls. As I discern, it burning chapels. Uh, this is one scene where I didn't use any music. Um, I used a sound effect in the background called Ghostly. Uh, ghostly dot wave. How long have you been there? If you were to go back and listen to Julius Caesar, Act Four, uh, that is actually the same background effect I used for when Julius Caesar comes and haunts Brutus. I'll go alone. Ah. Fear comes so. Little Easter egg for you. Fear some ill, unlucky thing. 
As I did sleep under this yew tree here, I dreamt my master and another fought, and that my master slew him. Romeo! I kind of like trying to reuse certain effects like that for these plays. Um, it, it kind of makes them feel like they're part of the same show. Alack, alack, what blood is this which stains the stony entrance of this sepulchre? <laughs> what mean these masterless and gory swords to lie discolored by this... And it's also piece? kind of in the same vein as uh, theater, where they try and reuse props and this oh, and that uh, for each performance that they do, so... Pale. Who else? What? Paris, too? And steeped in blood? What an unkind hour is guilty of this lamentable chance! Lady stirs. Oh, comfortable friar! Where is my lord? She's awake! I don't remember well where I should be. Like, five minutes too late. Where is my Romeo? <laughs> I hear some noise. They're all dead because of the friar. Yeah, this friar kind of got in over his head a little bit. Come, come away. Thy husband in thy bosom there lies dead. He thought he could do one thing, but he wound up uh, completely basically ruining these two people's lives. Come, go, good Juliet. Poor guy. I dare no longer stay. Go, get thee hence. Olivia Steele as Juliet, by the way. Yes. Before I forget to name names again, like I almost did before. <laughs> What's here? And the uh, the police car in the background. Um, Closed in my I I was trying to figure out well, how am I gonna make the make some kind of sound that alerts that the watch is coming. And uh, I thought that the police car kind of worked. As a matter of fact, it uh. Once again, with the reusing effects, um, that effect is one that I used way back in Much Ado About Nothing. <laughs> and I haven't had to use a police car since then. And I'll be brief. Oh, happy dagger. I actually looped it a bit different, though, so it doesn't actually sound the same. Sounds quite a bit different. Poor Juliet. This is the place. There, where the torch doth burn. I liked the audience's disappointment there as well. Ground is bloody. Search about the churchyard. I'd kind of been excited about uh, getting to use that. Beautiful sight. Just like a sitcom when somebody does something and their parent gets mad at them. Aww. Uh, so here we have the first Watchman, and this is Paul Brueggemann playing him, uh, with a Sylvester Stallone accent, or voice, or whatever you would call it. It's not really an accent. It's also very thick. It sounds like an exaggerated Stallone. But I think he did a good job with it, so. 
And he has to sound different than his other character. That's true. Here is a friar, sir, that trembles, sighs, and weeps. We took the mass me. and the spade from him. I know that person. Was coming from this churchyard side. A great suspicion. Stay the friar too. And a moment ago, we also had uh, Jordan Gottlieb as the second watchman. What misadventure is so early up that calls our person from our morning's rest? What should it be that they? And that's Paul again as. Uh, the people in the street. Duke. Or not Cry Duke. Romeo, uh, Prince Aeschylus. <laughs> Duke, I'm thinking of a different play. With open outcry toward a, a monument. Thinking of the next one you're going to do. What fear is this which startles in our ears? Sovereign, here lies the county Paris slain. And Romeo, dead. And Juliet, dead before. Paul does a good job of uh, playing off of himself here. Search, seek. And to know how this foul murder comes. Here is a friar and slaughter. Did he record those at the same time? Or instruments you know? them. <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't ask him. Oh uh, heavens! But when I was matching lines up, they they fit very well together. Hath mistaken for, lo, his house is empty on the back of Montague, and it, missheathed in my daughter's bosom. Um. Here we have Randy Strew as Capulet. And Death Rachel Wallace as Lady Capulet. That warns my old age to the sepulchre. Come, Montague. But thou art early up to see thy son and heir more early down. Sorry, this is just the portion where we listen. My we listen intently. <laughs> Grief my son's exile stopped him. Russell Gold is Montague, by the way. Further who conspires against thine age. And uh, his wife died. She did. Uh, in between uh, Act Three, in between Act Three and Act Five, uh, she passed away. Seal up the mouth of outrage for a while. Was that in the play earlier, or no? Uh, no, she was in. She was in Act One, played by Marty Brando. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, she she wasn't in the play again, unfortunately. Meantime, and let mischance be slave to patience. Way to go, Shakespeare. Confuse people like that. <laughs> I am the greatest, able to do least, yet most suspected. I can understand why, though, uh, she didn't pop up more often. Um, and here I stand. Montague and Lady Montague both are kind of minor characters myself condemned and uh, myself in the grand scheme of things. Then say at once what thou dost know in this. I will be brief. Really? <laughs> Romeo, there, I love that. Dead, was husband to that Juliet, and she, there, dead, that Romeo's faithful wife. I married them, and their stolen marriage day was Tybalt's end, <laughs> whose untimely death banished the new-made bridegroom from the city. So when I was cleaning Dave's Romeo, lines, Tybalt, he was he was saying. Uh, I really feel like I should be doing like Tim Curry and Clue and running around the house trying to explain everything. Um, and so I really thought about doing it for a while. I was like, this scene doesn't really have any laughs in it except for uh, when he says, I will be brief. And so I actually considered doing it, but it just didn't work. There's not enough 
portions of his speech where he says uh, specific different items in the tomb. Um, so instead, um, I did the next closest thing, and I used this song in the background. Which is called Chiron Beta Prime by John F. Coulter. Ah. Then all alone at the prefix hour of her waking, came I to take her from her. And it's actually kind of funny. This <laughs> this song is a Christmas song about a family that is kidnapped by robots and taken to an asteroid to work in their minds. It's about as ridiculous as you would imagine. She wakes, and I entreated her come forth. And bear this work of heaven with but with that knowledge, you'll never be able to to listen to this scene again without thinking, "Wow, that's the scene with the crazy song." Yep. Although no crazier than some of the others, like uh, "Read Your Brains" and stuff like that. Let my old life be sacrificed some hour before its time, unto the rigor of severest law. We still have known thee for a holy man. Where's Romeo's man? What can he say in this? I brought my master news of Juliet's death, and then in post he came from Mantua to this same place, to this same monument. This letter he early bid me give his father, and threatened me with death going in the vault. This is the part of the play where they explain everything. Give me the letter. I will love it. I know, I love the grand explainers. Where's the county spirit? There's one in this play, and one in Julius Caesar. Uh, he and came with flowers to let's see, there's one and bid me stand aloof, and so I Twelfth did. Night. Anon comes one I know I'm forgetting a big one, but I can't remember. The tomb. And by and by, my master oh, Othello. That's the one I was missing. <laughs> That's the big one I was forgetting. There's a really big explainer in that play. <laughs> this threat doth make good the friar's words. Their course of love, the tidings of her death. And even then, it doesn't fully explain everything because Iago doesn't ever tell what his motivation was. Are you talking about Othello? Yeah, in Othello. See what a scourge is laid upon your hate. That heaven finds means to kill your joys with love. And I, for winking at your discords too, have lost a brace of kinsmen. Aw. Are punished. <laughs> Punishments. This is my daughter's jointure, for no more can I demand. That's an inside joke that no one will get. <laughs> I will raise her statue in pure gold. That while Verona by that name is known, there shall no figure at such rate be set as that of true and faithful Juliet. As rich shall Romeo's by his lady's lie. Poor sacrifices of our enmity. A glooming peace this morning with it brings. The sun, for sorrow, will not show his head. Go hence. To have more talk of these sad things. Once again, some we're just listening. And some punished. But we have the big curtain cock of an and I'm sure we'll talk during that. Of more woe yes. than this of Juliet. And her Romeo. Because there's a lot going on in it. Yeah, that was one of the tougher scenes to mix, actually. <laughs> I, can ima- I can imagine it being difficult trying to get all the timing right. 
so yeah, um, instead of normal credits for this act, Ladies we decided to go with a curtain call, of kind Romeo of like a sitcom for their series finale. Romeo. So basically, I just put, I found a lot of clapping and a lot of cheering Juliet. and stuff. Olivia and Steele. there's like a baseline clapping underneath everything. Jane and then Brian I had them cheering and stuff for specific things. Mercutio. And Cato Garcia. And Capulet. Randy Strew. Getting everybody's lines to be the same Randy volume Leo. is Andrew Hackley. pretty tough for with having Capulet. so many different Rachel actors Morris. in one scene. Oh yeah. Christopher Gilstrap. It's a ton. Chris Dickey. Sam. Anna Rodriguez. Prince Escalus. Plus they all have to sound somewhat the same. The first servant. <laughs> They're in the same room. But I just made it a echoey room Gregory. so you could add Kyle Garrett. Peter. Echo pretty much everything cover up a lot of stuff. Balthazar. Matthew Hawking. This is one of those scenes that kind of gives you chills when you're listening to it. Because it's it's got this grand sense of accomplishment. All these people coming out and how much talent it took to make this It to me after listening to it again just today. Because I was too close to it right after I mixed it. That makes sense. That makes sense. The apothecary. I also like how you used uh, "so far so the good" in the background. Um, I didn't think that you would try to, but it, it, it works as a uh, continuation the of what the citizen. other cr- actors did. Yep. The second musician. Susan Evan. Cousin Capulet. Gregory Porter again. Lady Montague. Marty Pringle. The DJ. And props to Brian for reading out all the these names. Watchman. This is a lot of names that he had to read in the a slightly watchman. different voice than he normally does. Yes. Oh, yes. Good job. Originally, we uh, didn't have the lines numbered, so <laughs> I went through and numbered everybody's lines <laughs> so that they would be in the correct order. Yeah, if I'd thought to do that, but I didn't. <laughs> When I sent out the script, I just didn't think of numbering it. Our assistant director, Sven Halverson. If I had thought. Our trailer announcer, Joe J. Thomas. Our DJ setlist musician, give it up for Livo. I did rearrange a couple of things to make it fit better. Lead musician, Mr. I think it worked very well. Which this is actually pulled from one of Jonathan Colton's live concerts. Nice. I wanted it to sound. Let's get it. So some of those cheering is from one of his concerts. And I am Brian. Nice. Let's give all these people <laughs> a big hand. Gotta love Creative Commons music. Well, folks, Romeo that's it. Juliet that's the curtain call. That's the whole Rapids. episode. This production is copyright. And this play is over. Productions. 
No part of this production. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all of the actors who participated and made it what it is. Thank you to Swen for all of his awesome work. And yeah, that's about all I've got. Swen, do you have anything to add? Peace. (laughs) Peace indeed. We will be back in. Is it two months or three? Like it? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't remember. I don't know the schedule. We'll be back in either two months or three months. I believe it's three months. Uh, with As You Like It, Act 1, Part 1. And we will also hopefully be joined by our new assistant director, George Linfield. Um, and this is also the play where Swen will be taking over as lead director. So yes. gear up, because you'll get to hear what he sounds like when he's doing it solo. So <laughs> that's all I've got. Uh, signing off. Goodbye. Goodbye.